0: welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy today we're going to be talking about ufc vegas 37 anthony smith versus ryan span and it's going down tomorrow in las vegas nevada you got the number seven ranked anthony smith taking on the number 13th ranked ryan span and uh, it's always a fun fight when either of these two get in there we got a lot to talk about guys so Obviously, I'm going to break down this whole car start to finish, do the whole bit, mention my sponsors, whatnot, but first, I want to talk to you guys. First, I want to tell y'all what's been going on, man. So, a lot of y'all been wondering, where's half the battle been, what you've been up to, all that stuff. Dude, I got hit with the Rona, man, and it fucked my ass up. Now, I'm not here to preach or tell another grown man or woman what to do i think that we live in a free country and everyone should do what they're supposed to do you know excuse me everyone should do what what they choose to do i mean i got my own opinions about that you can message me privately but i would never use my platform to preach or do anything like that but i can just speak to you from my experience these last two months have been fucking brutal man especially the first two weeks of COVID. Like now I didn't go to the hospital or nothing. So mine's actually considered a mild case, you know, and I'm praying for the people that aren't as lucky as me. You know, the people that are intubated in the hospital bed that don't know if they're going to die or not. I'm praying for you guys, man. But what I went through was terrible, man. Like five straight days of just laying on my floor, questioning, am I going to die? Like, what the fuck is going on? I'm not trying to be dramatic. This is just, I'm a, I'm a pretty confident, strong, and prideful individual. So for it to happen to me, a guy who trains jujitsu every single day, a guy who, you know, I eat clean, I do all the right things. For it to happen to me, it's like eye-opening. So take care of yourselves out there. Now, with that being said, obviously I'm not sick anymore, but I do have some lingering effects of what went down and one of those lingering effects is this shortness of breath so like right now you guys are going to hear me taking these pauses with these deep breaths and you just got to bear with me man i'm trying my best you know and i wanted to come back on here earlier and try and i actually did a podcast with marley Kyle marley like 2 weeks ago and dude i felt like i was going to pass out after every time i spoke so I'm definitely past that that point of the game, but I'm still at a point where you know I'm not talking with the same energy I used to, for example, you guys know how I used to talk. I'm your host as always Daniel look like I can't do that right now, all right, so you guys gotta bear with me. I'm just gonna talk in my indoor voice and take these fucking deep breaths and do the whole bit, but I love the fans so much. I love the fact that you guys have supported me so much you know someone sent me a message today saying i was milking this shit dude like like you would never say some shit not to not to be like oh you would never say that to my face but you would never fucking say that to my face because I'd, I'd three fingers slap you like like the bitch that you are to even imply that i would milk something like this i mean being on this podcast is my passion i love the fans so much i love this sport so much so don't, don't ever try me like that. I found that extremely disrespectful. But um, so here we are. So again, you guys are gonna have to deal with me taking these little pauses, these little deep breaths, and hopefully that I can just keep improving. I'm gonna get to the sponsors. I wanna address a couple other things first. So currently, this year, betting-wise, has been trash for me. And there's reasons why. I can't sit here and act like I've given it 100%, and then all of a sudden, my results are, were, were trash. Like that's not how this shit works. The reason my results have sucked this year is you got to understand something. A lot of these guys that are doing well now, have only been doing this a year or two. So they're still all in on it, man. And for me, when you do something for six and a half years, like I've been doing, you're going to get burnt out at times. You're, you're going to need to take breaks at times. You're not going to, you're going to find other avenues. And I've actually found a new passion. Now, before I talk about my new passion, I need to mention that I'm not done betting by any means. Um, I'll be a better, I'll be a gambler for the rest of my life. It's more so that I'm going to be back to giving my plays out for free, just like the old days. So follow me on Twitter or follow me on BetMMA. You can get all my picks for free now. And the new passion I have is. Managing fighters and helping young and up and coming fighters reach their goals. I feel like a lot of these guys, they have the talent, they have the skills, but they're not taking the right fights. They're not making the right decisions. And I really feel like I can I can help these guys out. And the reason I knew that initially before I started working with some of the guys that I'm working with was because. And, you know, I'm not saying this to flex, Um, you know, people that say I'm flexing are just insecure just because they're not doing the same things. I, I don't say this to impress you, but to impress upon you the possibilities of what you can do. But anyways, so, you know, maybe like two years ago, I had one guy who was top five in the UFC hit me up and was like, hey, should I release this footage of me sparring a former champion? I had another guy who was top 10 in the lightweight division always hitting me up for advice so you know when guys like that in the UFC who are doing well uh value my opinion and then to take it a step further the reason that you know I'm not saying I'm Mr. Genius in terms of the fight game I don't know it all I'm, I'm a student of the game but the reason that I got all in was because I started training jujitsu, but then I went to to a fighter gym and I started sparring all the fighters, you know, obviously getting my fucking ass kicked, but that was my immersion into the game. Like, I really wanted to learn about it, so that's why you you hear me talking about a guy like Jared Gooden three years ago. That's why you hear me talking about guys like Robert Hale, who knocked out Nicholas Mata, who was supposed to be on this card, or guys like um, Nathan Williams, Jamar Whitehead, all these guys. It's because I've been training with them for years. They've been whooping my ass for years, so that's my immersion into the fight game, and these guys value my opinion. I would say that I talk to these guys more than they talk to their managers. So I feel like that's the that's truly where my passion is right now. Um I'll always love this game, no matter what. And I will I'm a gambler for life. That's not gonna change, and all my stuff's still gonna be third party track. That's not gonna change either. It's more so the bets are gonna be free because like these kids now. That are doing their thing. They're on these hot streaks. Like this is their lives, man. These guys are passionate. These guys are all in. And while I'm still passionate about the sport, the area of the sport I'm more, pa- I'm most passionate in, is trying to help these fighters develop themselves. So you see what I did with Jamar Whitehead, the first fighter I ever managed, got him to a seven-one and one amateur record. Now we both think that he's not. He was nine zero. A couple controversial decisions. You guys know the judges are the worst part of the sport, but. He went pro and knocked out his opponent in 48 seconds. And that opponent happens to be fighting tomorrow in Bellator. So I feel like we're making the right steps with Robert Hale and Nathan Williams. Whenever they listen to me, they they tend to win Um, the issue with those guys. And I love those guys like brothers. I'm like those guys. I, I would kill for those guys. I wouldn't have to, they could kill for me. Right. But no, I'm just saying metaphorically speaking, I'd do anything for those guys. But with them, with, for example, a guy like Robert Hale, he, you know, he knocked out Nicholas Mata. He's a guy that fought Ramazan Kuramagomedov up a weight class on two weeks notice with no hesitation. So as a man, that's a very respectable quality. But as a fighter, you guys know the deal. You got to take the right fights that are going to allow you to get into the UFC. So when these guys listen to me and they take the right fights, they tend to win. It's just that after they get an easy knockout from a fight, I suggested, then they want to go beat the next undefeated prospect in their hometown. So it's one of those things where you got to reel them back in and have the same conversation over and over. Fighters are a different breed. So that's basically where I'm at with that stuff. Now, real quick, I want to give a shout out to my boy Marcus for, from the Atlanta Nubian bookstore, hooking me up with this badass shirt. Man, thank you so much. So happy to rep it. Uh, you're You're a badass, my friend. So I truly appreciate it. Um got a new sponsor I'm going to talk about here shortly in Prize Picks. But first, you guys already know the deal. You guys know we got to talk about Manscape real quick. So, going to plug my sponsor Manscape, going to break down the whole car start to finish, going to tell you about my new sponsor Prize Picks, and I'm down to do a fan Q&A. You guys can ask me anything you want. Um honestly, if any of y'all want to hop in here with me, ask me something face to face, I'm down with that as well. So, I'm cool, man. I got time on my hands. It's just, I can't talk with that same, I'm your host as always. I can't, I can't talk like that right now, man. Cause I'm going to get too winded and you know, all that. So again, I'm not sick anymore. I'm just dealing with, you know, some lingering effects. The good news is I'm back in jujitsu class, gassed out of my fucking mind, <laughs> but, uh, we're back in there. So I'm just trying to make progress, man. And, um, that's uh that's all there is to it now let's talk about manscaped a little bit so attention listeners across the galaxy all the way from australia to houston do we have a pube problem insert space music here <laughs> if so our friends at manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower four point which is uh what i got in my hands right here and let me just say this before I continue this ad read. I got two of them because, you know, I got to shave my head on the reg and got to shave downstairs on, on the reg. And real quick, for all the bald guys out there, don't don't let any of these fucking guys with the, oh, your hairline, rah, 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 you know why? The reason I say that is this. Has a female ever turned you down once for a date because you're bald? Nope. Never. It's only guys that make those comments. And I got no issues with, uh, you know, dudes dating dudes. I just personally like women. So no, no, no woman has ever, ever turned me down because I was bald. So fuck this Rogaine bullshit. I mean, unless they want to sponsor me, but that would be, you know, that'd be like categorically false for me to promote something I don't use, whereas I do use Manscaped. So anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm ADD as hell. So kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the jobs from the leaders in, in male grooming, join the 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with code battle 20. And I mean, guys, like we talk about those short notice opportunities. I mean, you know, you match with a girl in an app, you you meet someone at the gym, whatever the case may be, she wants to come over, you want to go to her place, you get two in one night, whatever the case may be, like, you got to be ready to go, man. So the good news is with the trimmer, you know, maybe once a week I can use the trimmer, but that ball deodorant, my man, I mean, that shit is a game saver. Uh, you know, like they're complimenting how good we smell now, so... That's so, and I'm not just talking about the cologne I wear, I'm talking about other spots now. So I'm very happy about that. So, Manscaped, you're amazing. Ready for an out of world experience, fellows? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. That has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. The weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, which is what I just mentioned. That, that shit is fucking badass. Um, the crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs. I use those boxer briefs, uh, the boxer briefs every day for training at jujitsu. Uh, they feel great. And the travel bag to hold your whole squ- uh, solar system. First scheduled for liftoff is the new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. That's what I got in my hand right here. And this spaceship is here to guide you on a trend, on a on a journey to trim your buddy, your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. Now I don't go that far, but other places, yes. Uh, <laughs> the fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and new multifunction on off switch, which can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. The lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4, L- uh, 4,000 K LED spotlight. You can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top your nose and ear. And let me tell you something. You know, the ladies might not complain about me me being uh, bald, but um, women do not like nose and ear hair. Uh, Let me just tell you that right now. So if you're dealing with that, no shame. Just make sure you hit them up for that Weed Whacker. It'll take care of that. And don't forget about the crop reserver ball deodorant. I've been telling you all about that. That ball deodorant goes a long way. And you'd think with like a deodorant on your balls that you might get a rash. You might get a – no, it ain't even like that, man. It's got the aloe vera. It's got the whole bit. It actually feels really nice. So the crop reviver, to help your plants be on their A-game, while while feeling the sun's heat manscaped even threw in two free gifts their performance package 4.0 the manscape boxers and shed travel bag abort hairy balls and buzz Lightyear that woody with manscaped get 20 off and free shipping with the code battle20 at manscaped.com that's 20 off and free shipping with the code battle20 at manscaped.com your dick and balls <laughs> need some help for a clean trinity and beyond, and your space balls will thank you. So, yeah, use my code BATTLE20, 20% off and free shipping. So I appreciate y'all. Everybody do my favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Also, um, if anyone wants to come in here with me, talk some fights, y'all are more than welcome to message me. And uh, let's do this shit. So first up... In the flyweight division, we got Emily Whitmire. She's four and four. She's taking on Hannah Goldie, who is five and two. <sighs> this is what we like to refer to as a low-level UFC fight. Um, you know, Emily Whitmire, she's not bad in terms of skills. It's more so the mental department that I question with Whitmire, whereas on the other side of things with Hannah Goldie, you know, it doesn't look the prettiest when she's out there striking and... Um, you know, those sidekicks and that runaway style, it, it doesn't look the best, but I do think that Hannah Goldie is tougher than Whitmire. Reason being, for example, point in case, that last fight against, um, Belbita, you know, she was getting, she was getting to put on her the whole fight. Third round gets on top of her in that full man. I mean, that, that, that's a sign of some heart right there. That's a sign of someone who's willing to go in there and do what it takes It's just it was too little, too late. So here against Whitmire, I find it to be a little bit of a different matchup because Whitmire doesn't have the same striking skill as Belbita. I think the striking might be a little bit more even here, but Whitmire is more of a specialist on the mat. Now she's gotten some subs, and you know possibly she can take Goldie's back and sub her, but you know Goldie's actually been in there with with better grapplers. Um, In fact, she holds a win over Jillian Robertson, who. Many of y'all consider a very respectable grappler, so I actually think that if Whitmire doesn't get this first round sub, that that Goldie can come out here and just kind of outpoint her, win the decision down the stretch. So I'm gonna go with Goldie, and I know I didn't mention the odds. I know it's been a while since we've done this shit, so the odds are Whitmire minus one thirty, Goldie plus one oh eight. So interesting. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Gustavo Lopez. He's 12 and 6. He's taking on Haile Alatang, who is 14 and 8. And currently they got Haile Alatang minus 130. The comeback on Gustavo is plus 110. So this is a fight that opened a dead pick'em. Most of the action's been coming in on Hailey Alatang. I gotta give Haile Alatang a lot of credit. He's an extremely tough guy. I mean, the ball is on this dude. I mean, I, I should hook him up with a Manscaped sponsorship right now. I mean, this is a guy in uh, highly Alatang. You see the ass whooping he took against Casey Kenny and he didn't quit. I mean, I guarantee you that highly Al allot- Oh my, my! laptop just fell. Excuse me. I guarantee you that highly Alatang was shitting blood for at least a week after that casey kenny fight with the kind of kicks that he was taking and with gustavo lopez i mean he's just he's just a tough out man i mean he's one of these guys that you know he's a latino warrior you already know the deal not the stereotype because i saw some people like they came out with this promo video honoring mexican fighters and some people i mean in this day and age everybody gets offended about everything so i think we should probably be used to that by now but man i I, I like the heart on this kid, and I think that being known for heart is not a bad thing. I mean, the Mexican warriors can take a whooping and keep pushing forward. Now, granted, are there some, you know, dudes like Canelo or Yair Rodriguez who, you know, they don't necessarily get their asses whooped up front. They kind of are phenoms in their own right, of course. But there is that reputation of the Mexican fighters just being so damn tough and durable and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's an admirable quality. So, both these guys are tough and durable. But oftentimes, when I talk about the Asian fighters, Haile Alatang being from China, my big concern is the flight over to the United States. You know, um, that flight that flight will drain you, man. I mean, and the, these guys don't perform at their optimal level as a result of that flight. So maybe someone can correct me and let me know if highly Alatang did this camp in the united states i am i I don't believe he did but you know maybe um maybe i'm dead wrong on that but bottom line is i I see it being a close fight i just kind of see gustavo lopez kind of pulling away landing the harder shots being able to stuff these takedowns and just winning a, a competitive decision so give me gustavo lopez for the dub now next up in the welterweight division we got impa Kasangane. He's nine and one. He's taking on Carlson Harris, who is 16 and four. And currently they got Impa Kasangane minus minus one eighteen. The comeback on Carlson Harris is plus 100. So this is, this should also be a very closely contested fight with Impa Kasangane. Is it Kasangane or Kasangane? I I should know this. I mean, the guy follows me. The guy gave me his number to text him for an interview. And not only that, um, I saw him fight on the regional scene, actually in Atlanta when, um, when LFA came to Atlanta, Impa was on the card. He fought a a well-known guy from Atlanta named Tubbs, uh, Devorius Tubbs, and he put it on him. And I, I took note right away that this guy is no slouch at all. So uh, hold on a second. My boy Matt Drucker says, Alatang was at fight ready this camp. So, you know, that changes a lot. So now he doesn't have to get acclimated. So now it comes down to skills. So. That makes it interesting. I agree with the opening line. I I think it's minus one ten a piece, but you know, kind of dogger pass now. But I mean, if you got a strong read, you know, by 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 all means. But fight ready. I'll tell you one thing about them. They get their fighters right. (laughs) That that that's for damn sure. So they do different kinds of it's not just traditional strength and conditioning. It's um it's like explosiveness. They and, and they got it down to a science. They track every single like things that I don't even know the half of and I'm not qualified to talk about, but those guys are geniuses over there, and the things they do. So, yeah, let's let's see let's see if he looks any different there. But back to Impa and Carlston. So I often talk about the African fighters. Like you just cannot count out a guy from Africa, and someone like might be like, "Oh, that's so stereotypical." I'm like, dude, look at Francis and dude, look at Razak Al Hassan. Like on any given day. The fighters from Africa just possess a different kind of power that you don't find anywhere else. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. ¿Dónde diablos está Shaq? Estoy cansado de esta mierda y toda la inconsistía de este espectáculo. I'm sorry you feel that way, Stephen. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know if you heard, but I've been on death's doorstep, you know been feeling terrible, man. So I've been doing my thing, man. And uh, I'm back now. Um, you know, Shaq's my brother. Shaq's, Shaq can go live at any point he wants. No one, no one's stopping Shaq from doing anything. So, you know, I mean, you're, you're more than welcome to to exit the room. Uh, adios, amigo. Hasta luego. You know what I'm saying, brother? But I appreciate you being here. But yeah, Shaq's my brother. But right now uh, you got me. So either deal with it or don't. It's not a big deal. And we we can you can come on the screen right now talk Spanish I'll talk back to you bet you didn't know I knew some Spanish did you buddy? Um, But I'm getting I'm so ADD that I'll even respond to shit like that. So back to Impa and Carlson. So I was talking about like the African fighters how you just cannot count. There's just something different about that African power. But I was mistaken. I was under the impression that Carlson Harris was from Ghana. He's actually from Guyana, which is in South America. So, it's a uh, it's something completely different. My boy Aldo, giving me some props. Dan, good Spanish comprehension. Oh y'all y'all don't know a, a lot about me. I know that, you know, I got this personality and stuff. But y'all y'all gotta understand, I'm a well-rounded individual. What if I were to tell you that uh that Spanish was my first language? What if I were to tell you that I'm a first-generation American? What if I were to tell you that my mom's Mexican? So. Don't don't ever judge a book by its cover is all I got to say about that. And if uh, Stephen wants to come out here, my mom is half Mexican. Interesting, Stephen. So she was born in Mexico. Her mom was born in Mexico. Her mom's mom was born in Mexico. So it's not her that's half Mexican. It's me that's half Mexican, uh, Stephen. So callate (laughs) la boca, pukta. But anyways. Yeah. uh, Chris is saying he's from Guyana. Exactly. Guyana in South America. So I I initially thought that Carlson Harris was from Ghana. It's not Ghana. It's Guyana. So South America. So it's a different story. But anyways, back to how he fights. I mean, this is a very experienced guy who he's paid his dues on his regional scene. He's got a nasty, nasty Darce choke and Anaconda choke. And again, he's a guy that paid his dues before he got to the before he got to the UFC. My boy said meant to say you were and you love Pastor Steven. Yes, I was gay. You know, I you know, I love the you know, I love my El Pastor tacos. My man, you, you know how we get down around here, my friend. Um, but anyways you got to stop distracting me. We'll get, we'll do a fan Q and a soon. Or like I said, if you want to come in here side by side, talk to me, let me know what the deal is. Let's go, man. I mean, hit me with anything. Talk about the year I've been having, talk about whatever. I don't give a shit. Let's go. Um, I got nothing to hide. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, one thing about me is I'm the real deal. I'm, I'm an honest, direct individual. So, you know, that's what you're going to get with me. But, um, I do respect the fact that Carlson, Harrison, uh, Carlson Harris excuse me, has been paying those dues for years, man. He's a strong, physical guy. He's been through the ups and downs in the sport. And not to mention that darson and Anaconda series he has is absolutely awesome. Impa, on the other hand, like I was saying, I've been scouting this guy for a long time. I saw him fight in Atlanta against Devorius Tubbs um, at... Uh, the Coca Cola Roxy, actually down the street from where the Braves play, for LFA, and I took note right away. And even though he's only had ten pro fights, I do feel like Impa Kasangane is wise beyond his years. You know, because normally I talk about guys with ten fights or less; they're going to be making these big leaps every fight. And I truly feel that way about Impa Kasangane. He's a very physical guy, and one thing that really stands about stands out about Impa is the mindset with this guy i mean this guy is mentally sharp i mean did you see the way that he responded to the buckley knockout it's almost like i feel like i don't even need the need to talk about that because normally when someone faces a knockout like that you want to talk about how it was life-changing you want to talk about how how are they going to rebound well if anyone can rebound it's Impa Kasanga, man i mean he uh He's a very mentally sharp individual, and he's got a lot of mental fortitude. And he—he's a guy that you can count on to to bounce back. So now I, I just see this being an even fight. It's—I I see it being a kind of a coin flip where I where I edge Impa. Um, I just don't exactly have a read for how it's gonna go down. I kind of see two bulls locking horns. Do I, I'd be very surprised if uh carlson was able to get off on that darcer anaconda series against um impa so but i've seen crazier things happen before so it, it, it's tough um but then again if it's a close fight like i think it might be then you gotta deal with adelaide bird y'all been seeing my adelaide bird memes uh memes i know y'all like those so yeah so i see it being a close fight i'm gonna lean with impa via close decision but you know not not sitting here saying that that's a lock by any by any means, but should be a great fight. Now next up in the flyweight division, we got Aaron Blanchfield. She's six and one. She's taking on Sarah Alpar, who is nine and five. And currently, they got Aaron Blanchfield minus three ninety. The comeback on Sarah Alpar is plus three ten. So. Aaron Blanchfield's a solid prospect. And again, back to the conversation about 10 fights or less, right? You're going to be seeing these big leaps every single time. But you know, she's someone in Aaron Blanchfield who I've seen go out there and dominate people with grappling. She's someone in Aaron Blanchfield that I've seen go out there and knock other ladies out with head kicks. She's someone that fought Tracy Cortez, who is doing very well in the UFC right now. And she fought her to... What some people like to refer to as a controversial decision. A lot of people thought Aaron Blanchfield might have won that fight. Um, and, I, and I can't sit here and disagree. But what I'll say about it is win or lose, those are the kind of experiences you want to see these young fighters have outside the UFC before they get here. So even though in normal terms, when you see a fighter with a record like that, which is uh, you know six and one, You think they're not quite ready for for prime time. They're not quite ready to make it, to to perform under the bright lights, whereas I do feel like she's been battle-tested, and I I feel like she's somewhat of a prospect here. My my concern going forward would be that I do think she might be slightly undersized, but it's one of those things where Sarah Alpar... All due respect to you know, interestingly enough, I had Sarah Alpar on half the battle like five years ago. Um, I was doing a bunch of interviews for uh, a dude named Adam Levick, uh, rest in peace, or Brian Levick, excuse me, rest in peace. Um, he was a PR guy for like Titan and all these like other shows, so that's where I was interviewing guys like Ronnie Lawrence who are now in the UFC. And um, Sarah Alpar was one of them and very nice, very nice young lady for sure. Um, But to just be blunt, because you know that in here when we're talking about picking fights and we're talking about betting fights, you know, we're not talking about people's nice and friendly personalities. We're talking about the fighting skills. And I I just kind of get those soccer mom vibes from Sarah Alpar. And I'm not going to question her toughness, because in that fight against Jessica Rose Clark, it should have been stopped on multiple occasions. And the fact that she kept pushing through is a testament to her will as a fighter. I just don't quite see the, it's not enough to be tough. You know, there's a saying that tough gets knocked out, right? It's not enough to be tough. You also need the athletic tools and the skills as well. And although she has developed and she's gotten better than her earlier days, I'm just not quite convinced that it's enough to overcome what Aaron Blanchfield brings to the table. So oftentimes debut fighters uh, underperform. So, you know, maybe, maybe it ends up being a close split. I, I just don't see that being the case. Give me Aaron Blanchfield here to decisively win this fight. Now, next up, we got Montel Jackson. He's 10 and 2. He's taking on JP Bias, who is 9 and 3. And currently, they got Montel Jackson minus 650. The comeback on JP Bays is plus 460. So, should I go on the rant that I want to go on, or should I keep it to myself and just break down this fight? Like, because, you know, Montel Jackson told me not to talk about him again, right? Should, should, should I address that? Or should I just let it be and just break down the fight objectively? I mean, I mean, I'm going to break down the fight objectively anyways. I think that Montel Jackson is such a super talented guy. But should I tell you about the exchange I had with him? Is that, is that what you want to hear? Dan should have been JP's manager here. Well, speaking of JP's manager... You know, him and his girl left Safe Saud, uh from Fortis MMA. So, um, on one hand, Cheyenne, his girlfriend, or wife, excuse me, they left Safe Sayud, which Safe Sayud, I know he's got a code of loyalty. I know he took that to heart <laughs> that they left. But she did get that head kick, and she did get a 50K bonus. So... On one hand, you can say she did the right thing. But on the other hand, let's see how this plays out long term. That's when we'll really know if she made the right decision. So as a result, as a result, JP also left uh, Safe Sayud, who I think is one of the best coaches in the game. So let's, let's address this Montel Jackson thing. How many times have you guys heard me go on the show and talk about how I think that Montel Jackson has the skills to be a future world champion? How I think he is that damn talented, how I've even compared him to champions like John Jones. And I know I'm saying champion Aljamain Sterling, but let's let's put our you know, let's let's put the Peter Yan thing aside for one second and let's act like the Peter Yan fight never happened. Algernon Sterling was still out here beating Corey Sanhagen, beating Cody Stamen, beating all these tough guys. Beating. So no matter what my opinion is on the whole Peter Yan situation, Algernon Sterling is still, in my opinion, the number one contender or number two ranked contender at, at that division. I just personally think Peter Yan is the champ, but that's a separate story. Algernon Sterling still a hell of a fighter. And John Jones is, is the GOAT. So, or one of them. So... I've always referred to Montel Jackson as a guy who's got the physical tools, got got the skills. I mean, I think that if this guy if the mental caught up with the physical, that this guy could go all the way. So, I know sometimes we come here on half the battle and listen this is not just breaking down fights this is entertainment as well we're here to put on a show for you guys we're here to entertain you can you can go hear all these other shows and they can regurgitate UFCstats.com. they can bore you with their monotone voices like there's hundreds of those shows but if you truly want to be entertained but also get that insider info you guys know exactly where to come and you know where to come for years because we've been here a long ass time and we're actually involved in this game we're, or I, I'm actually involved in this game i'm actually working with fighters on the reg but anyways so i commented on something that montel jackson posted on his instagram montel jackson accused me of making assumptions and stereotyping now for me to make stereotypes for me to make stereotypes my mom is mexican my dad is romanian i'm a first generation american My co host is black, like, and and it's funny because it's like when you in this day and age, if you bring up that you have black friends, it's like, Oh, (laughs) oh, I have black friends. Like, it's like you're that guy that's like making excuses. It's like tomorrow I'm going to a surprise birthday party where I'm going to be the only white guy there. Like, do you think that there's a racist bone in my body? Like, there's not, and like, like Dr. King said, it's about the content of your character. So, but, anyways. Montel Jackson accused me of stereotyping. And the reason why he did that is he posted on his Instagram pictures of, you know, him with a gun tucked in his pants and, you know, he's popping uh, bottles at the club, sipping 40s on the block. And I simply mentioned that on the show. I'm not making anything up. I'm not making up assumptions. I'm just bringing up what I saw you post. On on your social media. You have a choice what you want to post on your social media, dude. I didn't tell you to post that. And I don't have an issue with you posting that. Do you, man? Live your life. But the reason I bring that stuff up is because I was questioning and you know, I and I made a little funny comment. And you know, I like to be sarcastic. I said, Do you want to be a fighter or do you want to be a gangbanger? And I understand that that specific line probably got to him. He probably found that disrespectful. I I get it, man. You know, maybe I should have chosen some different words, but I thought it was a pretty funny line. I think the fans were entertained. So he told me not to talk about him. Now, let me ask you something, Montel. I'm the guy that's been saying that you have the potential and the talent to be a future world champion, I'm the guy that said you have all the skills. What are you going to do when some of these other outlets don't recognize that talent and skill you have? What are, what are you going to do if they see some of those pictures and they shit all over you and don't give you any credit? How are you going to react to that? Because if you're reacting to the guy that said you have the potential to be a future world champion like that, then, dude, like I, I think I think you need to focus on some other things, my man. But all that being said… He can be partying at the club all he wants. I still think he's gonna beat JP Bays. Now I gotta give JP Bays a lot of credit, man, because even though he lost his debut, there was something I liked about it. He was very composed in there, he was very relaxed in there. He ended up getting caught with some big shots and went down. Um, but it did but it didn't look like he was like flustered by the moment or anything. He seemed very focused on his mission and in tune with what was going on. He just didn't have the goods. And and I I don't think he's got the goods here, but he does have somewhat of a path to victory with the wrestling. And that's not because Montel Jackson has a weakness wrestling. He actually doesn't, despite what the numbers say, despite it saying Brett Johns taking him down a hundred times and Ricky Simone taking him down a hundred times. I think it's like a, a thing where it's like, if you watch the Brett Johns fight, he comes out there first round. Drops Brett Johns, does whatever he wants to Brett Johns. Second and third kind of takes his foot off the gas, and it wasn't about Brett Johns putting it on him. Brett Johns didn't land like any strikes. Brett Johns just humped his leg, man, and I just expect better for Montel. Maybe that's why I'm so critical and harsh on him because I expect big things from this guy. I see top five potential. Will he live up to that potential? That's a, that, that's a different story, but... I think that the guy has the goods, man. And, you know, we don't even need to talk about how he's got hands bigger than Francis and Ganu, how he's got the longest reach in the division. Like, I don't care about that. The guy's got the skills. And in certain matchups, it it don't matter if he's drinking 40s at the club, (laughs) on the block, or, you know, popping bottles at the club. It it don't matter. Like, and I think this is one of those fights where it won't matter. But down the line, you know, and who knows, Maybe, maybe he cleaned things up. Maybe he's out here training his ass off because i did see something about him training with speed of sport um do you guys remember when bj penn went on that insane run when he fought florian when he fought diego sanchez when he was training with the marinovich brothers um and also when rda fought pettis like just a, the different kind of explosiveness those fighters had at that time i am under the impression that montel may be training with guys like that so i regardless of what he's doing outside the cage i think he gets past this opponent but we're talking about minus like 700 you know or minus 650 so i would just kind of chill out and maybe try to look for other ways to to tackle this fight whether it's the the under whether it's the inside distance and you know i used to give guys a lot of shit for playing props and the reason why is because back in the day you could only get down like 10 dollars on these props and dudes would act like they Oh, I'm up 30 units, and it's like, yeah, with $10 bets. But now, with the legalization of sports betting, uh, places like FanDuel and DraftKings sports books, now those limits are increased. So now you can actually get down real money on props. So times have changed big time. So, just throwing that out there. My pick is Montel Jackson to finish. JP Bays. Just don't, just, just don't, you know, take your foot off the gas and and get grinded. That's really the thing here. All right, so real quick, I want to talk about my other sponsor, my newest sponsor, which is Prize Picks. So let me pull up, uh, let me pull up the whole thing. They sent me some pretty badass shit. So basically, what's cool about Prize Picks is that, yeah, my eyes suck, so I gotta like zoom everything. What's cool about prize picks is that you guys already know all the fantasy sports, you know, avenues or outlets that you can use, right? And what's cool about those places is like, you know, you create your lineup of six fighters or whatever the case may be and hope that shit goes right. You know, what I like about prize picks is that you can combine multi sports. So, for example, you can use the You know, you can take the over on Patrick Mahomes and you can combine it with Max Holloway, right? So they're kind of revolutionizing how you play fantasy sports. And all my users, if you guys use the code BATTLE, it's all caps BATTLE, you'll get um, an 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So what that means is that you put down $100. Like, go ahead, deposit $100 at prizepicks.com using my code BATTLE, and they're going to give you another $100 to work with. So you can just try them out like that. So when Sunday when Sunday football comes around, when Monday football, Thursday football, I mean, go ahead and match that up with some of the UFC fights. If you're a baseball fan like me, take the over-under on Austin Riley, on Freddie Freeman, or whatever wherever you feel like you have that edge and mix it up with other sports or or do the same sport whatever you want to do but basically prize picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market you pick two to five players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry now what separates them from you know the other uh fantasy sports outlets is they got no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry so it's really just you versus the the projection and like i said the price picks allows mixed sports entries so take the over on max holloway with the under on patrick mahomes like you feel me so it's pretty fucking badass um and they got a slick and easy to use mobile app both on the app store and Google Play, and they're rated four point eight stars, so in the App Store, so with, with rave reviews. So I highly recommend you guys go ahead and give Prize Picks a try. I got a link in the description here. You can click my link and use the code Battle, and yeah, get get that instant deposit match, man, up to hundred dollars, and just give them a try. I, I think that it's very highly worth it. So. Before I talk about these next fights, we're going to talk about Shu Rong versus Brandon Jenkins. I want to go ahead and answer some fan questions. Got my boy Clint in the house. You know, I rock with Clint all day. Dan, buddy, what's up? Glad to see you back. It's good to, it's good to be back. Everybody that's just tuning in now, go back to the beginning of the show and listen to all the housekeeping stuff I had to talk about. Because um, there was a lot of things that, that I brought up about what I've been going through, what I plan to do going forward. and all that stuff. And honestly, if anyone wants to hop in here with me, Clint, you busy right now? You want to, you want to break down some fights with me? What you up to, man? If you do slide in the DMS, if not, uh, it's good to, it's good to have you in here always. Um, but Let me see if any of the fans are asking questions real quick. So. <laughs> Mystic Sosa said he didn't know. Iwan Kutalaba was a guest co- uh, guest host. I, I appreciate the compliment, my man. That means a lot. Matt Drucker, good to see you back. Good to see you back here with me, my friend. Uh, Monk MMA addict, uh, addict says, glad you are well enough to be back. Good health moving forward. Thank you so much, man. I'm already feeling better just being here, man. You know, It feels so good to talk with you guys. My boy Anton said I lost some weight. Hey man, it's an ever going process. But I think uh I did make some changes, some big changes. Not just, I mean, I've always trained jujitsu. It's more so my diet changes. I'm eating a lot more berries now. I'm drinking green tea. Um, I stopped smoking weed, so I don't get the munchies anymore. And just and for every, you know, for all the stoners out there, don't think that I'm anti-weed now or anything. Trust me, I'm all for legalization, knock you out. For me, it was more so a thing where Um, the last few times I did it, it just didn't have the same effect on me that it used to. So it was just time for me personally to, to put it down and, you know, and, and I feel a lot better, but y'all, y'all do you, man. You know what I'm saying? My boy Aldo saying he's glad I'm better. I'm, I'm glad I'm better too, my man. I I really appreciate that. Um, (laughs) Chris said I need some horse dewormer. That's funny as fuck, man. Um, all right. So let's see, uh. Hi, said, Dan. I missed you watching the U, uh, watching UFC without the podcast feels empty, and hey, that means so much that uh, that this show had that kind of impact on you. But you know, feel free to message me anytime. I'm always down to talk with the fans and my supporters. Like you guys are amazing, and you know, you guys got me through this, man. All the support that you guys left me, everything, man. All the messages, it really helped me keep my spirits high, and it's just fucking good to be back. Um, my boy P says, Oh man, I missed you. It feels like forever when you're away. It was, it was forever. He says he's my number one fan from the Philippines, man. I, I just had, uh, when we talk about this Brandon Jenkins fight, I I was going to talk about how I had a, uh, you know, a nice little company come over to my crib, uh, from the Philippines. And she got to see the Brandon Jenkins flying knee knockout, uh, over Jacob Kilburn, So we'll talk about that soon. Chris says, new sponsor, met. <laughs> Sorry, that's fucking hilarious, man. Uh, Canis Lupus says, good to see you back. Camera looking crisp. Okay, so the camera does look crisp. Excuse me. The camera does look crisp. The only issue I have with it is that there's a slight sinking issue. So once I can get that fixed, man, I really feel like, can really go all the way with this shit so it's just a matter of uh you know just trying to improve every single day so that's uh that's all there is to it um got my boy uncle wheezy in the house always appreciate you my man all right let me see if y'all got any questions for me real quick before we can before we continue (laughs) Moy says he was the one who initially told me i had covid yeah you were right you were right i mean you told me after I took the test, but before I got the result back, and it turned out that uh, you were right, my boy Diehard said, "I've I don't smoke, and I've always got the munchies. How do I fix that?" <sighs> so, uh, dude, I'm always hungry too. <laughs> so you just got to make that conscious effort. I like setting a window of of when I eat. So I feel like if you stop eating past 9 p.m., that's that's a solid thing to do. But again, you know, you can't be eating Cheetos. You can't be doing all that. Like let's let's make it let's set up a reward system where, you know, you eat clean and and eating clean's got a bad rep. Like what's wrong with eating some chicken with some, with some potatoes and, and, you know, some broccoli, you can put some seasoning on it, man. Like that's, you can make eat clean. You can meet, you can make eating clean taste good. A nice smoothie instead of a milkshake. Like, so there's lots of stuff you can do. Intermittent fasting. I agree with that. Um okay. Aldo says taking a break from weed is great. You get super high when you smoke again. I know the only thing is I actually like have like zero desire to ever smoke again. (laughs) Um I've tried like quitting in the past. Firstly, I've never smoked cigarettes, so let's just get that out the way. And it's a turnoff when I meet a girl that smokes cigarettes, even though it's none of my business, it's always been a turnoff for me. But I, but I have been a weed smoker for a long time. But, And I've tried to quit at times because I felt like it was the right thing to do. It's just that now I actually, but but like when I try to quit in the past, I still wanted to smoke. I still wanted to, you know, smoke a joint, put on some headphones, listen to music, go relax, or after a big meal kind of calms your energy down or whatever, whatever the case may be, right? But now I actually have no desire to smoke whatsoever, so I'm really happy about that for me. But everybody, it affects everybody differently, so I'm not here preaching, telling anybody what to do, and I'm all for the legalization. You you bet your ass I am. All right, so my boy Big Chief says, great to see you back. There's no energy in these other predictor videos. I appreciate the compliment. My boy Clint's got great energy though. So you gotta you gotta give him some credit, man. I, I fuck with Clint big time. I think that you know, obviously me and Clint got different styles, but Clint Clint's my boy. And, and in addition to Clint's energy, he's just a real ass dude. So Clint is a guy that I will always have mad respect for. Da- Damian Handel says, Where you been, bro? <laughs> Sounds like you just got here, man. Here, scroll back to the beginning of the show, and I explain where I've been, man. I've been, I've been dealing with a lot of shit, brother. <laughs> you know, the COVID got me, my man. But I'm, uh, I'm back here. But go listen to the beginning of the show, and I, I explain a lot of, a lot of the stuff. But guys, you know, I can sit here and going on a fucking rant um, forever. Um, Abu Dhabi said Clint's nice, but he's awful. What do you mean? I, I. I that firstly, that's categorically false, my friend. Like, there's nothing awful about him. And I would honestly, like, like I, I I I vehemently disagree with that. Like, everybody's got their own style of betting, man. And what this guy brings to his show is unique. And, and that's why I respect it so much. In addition to him being a great guy, there's there's people that are good people and shitty gamblers. I don't think he's a shitty gambler. Now, do I think that sometimes my boy Clint likes to bet on 30 things every event? And, you know, conventional wisdom might say that that's not the way to go. Okay, sure. But, I mean, my my dude ain't out here selling his house. My dude ain't out here, you know, <laughs> he ain't on the streets begging for money. So I think he's doing something right. So I think you got to give him a little bit more credit than that. Uh, my boy Clint, I vouch for him all day, all day, every day. All right, let's see. Early Wayne said he had that shit himself. He's re- he's referring to, to COVID. He said it took a lot out of him as well. Glad you're feeling better, dude. It took so much out of me, you know? And I'm still not, like I said, I haven't been taking as many deep breaths as I expected to. I thought this was going to be tough, but, like, man, just being here with you guys, all the love, like, it's awesome, man. I, I fucking love you guys so much. Now, let me, now stop distracting me so I can get back to these fight predictions. So... <sighs> all right. One more thing. James says nothing better than honey, turmeric, lemon tea. Dude, I like. I've been drinking hot green tea like every morning with lemon, so I agree with that. Anyways, next up in the fifty-five pound division, we got Rong Shu. He's seventeen and four. He's taking out Brandon Jenkins, who's fifteen and seven. And currently, they got Shu Rong minus. 350 the comeback on brandon jenkins is plus 260 so right away i think this line is very wide now let me make another comment so oftentimes like i said you guys are going to hear me repeat myself when i talk about the asian fighters my biggest criticism when they're fighting over here in the states is that flight takes so much out of you so i do think that Shurong underperformed in that in that fight where he was heavily favored against kazula vargas and it was a favorable matchup And everyone's saying, wrong shoe, wrong shoe. Uh, Look it up. That's actually how you pronounce his name. Like, that's literally, ask Anik. Anik is the pronunciation king. You pronounce this guy's name wrong shoe. And you know by listening to half the battle as long as you have that I'm one of the guys that doesn't fuck up fight pronunciations. So let's just leave it at that. But anyways, the thing with wrong shoe is that he you know, last fight he made the flight over from China, didn't look like himself. I mean, now granted, the level of competition is is completely different in the UFC, but he definitely underperformed. Now was it due to the flight? was it due to the level of competition? I don't know. kazula Vargas, all due respect. Uh, I, I do think that that was a favorable matchup, but this time Shu wrong uh, Shu actually did the camp at ATT in Florida. So the flight, ain't going to be an issue here. So now we might be able to see the kind of flashy finisher that we saw on that Asian regional scene. So that's what I'm looking forward to to finding out about because on one hand, you can make an argument that his record might have been padded, but on the other hand, he's had over 20 pro fights, so you got to give him some credit for his experience. And he handled a lot of these guys accordingly. So, you know, I'm not ready to count this guy out. The issue I have is that he's minus 350, right? And this kid, Brandon Jenkins, he's an opportunistic finisher. So while maybe I agree that wrong shoe should be minus 175, minus 200 at most, and, and he comes out here, gets a first-round finish, and everything I'm saying, you know, throw it out the window, right? Throw it by the wayside, as I'm, as my boy Nate Williams likes to say. Um, so it's tough. So Brandon Jenkins, my first time being exposed to him. so. I had an Asian girl over at my place and the way my my place is set up is I got two TVs in my man cave slash living room. One TV I have to watch the fights. The other TV I have to watch the Braves game. Now, if I have a lady coming over, the way I do it is I have one TV with Netflix and the specific thing I watch, take note, gentlemen, is Planet Earth or Our Planet. Like That is the perfect background not noise, but just background TV to have on when you're sitting down, drinking some wine, chilling out. And then on the other TV, I got the fights or the Braves game on. So it's like the best compromise ever. And you never have to hear any bullshit about changing the channel or whatever. But anyways, Chick was over at the crib that night. And I always pay attention to a Jacob Kilburn fight, reason being that my friends I referred to earlier in the show um, Robert Hale and Nathan Williams—they've been trying. They've been calling out Jacob Kilburn for years. They, you know, they think that's a very favorable matchup. And Jacob Kilburn has somewhat of a name on his regional scene, but you know, Jacob Kilburn turned down those fights, of course, and and very, very, very smart of you to do so, Jacob. Um, but anyways, this kid Brandon Jenkins goes out here and flying knee KOs him. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm taking note. And now he just got signed to the UFC. So, listen, this is another guy that's experienced. This is an, another guy that's had over 20 pro fights. This is another guy that's paid his dues. He's, he's battle-tested. So, I think this is a dog or pass situation. Now, while I'm not confident enough to come out here and pick Brandon, you know, picking and betting are two different things. If I were to bet a side here, I would bet Brandon Jenkins. I'm not going to lay minus 350 on wrong shoe here. But I'll, I'll pick as a pure pick, wrong shoe. This is a dog or pass situation, guys. My boy Jack Scott said, Nate fighting tonight? I wish Nate was in the chat right now with us so we could. We can't break the news yet. But let's just put it like this. So Nate was supposed to fight Chuka Willis last week in NFC. And Chuka Willis is a guy that's been in there with Sodiq Yusuf, a guy that's been in there with Hakeem Dawadu. Like, Chuka Willis is basically that journeyman that you beat on the regional scene to make it to that bigger show so they're supposed to fight last week and then chuka willis doesn't show up to the weigh-ins and it's like such a bummer because nate Nate williams is 5 foot 11 with a 74 inch reach and he fights at 145 pounds right you know so that weight cuts brutal but you can view it as a blessing in disguise because nate just got a big opportunity i i, I can't say what it is i can give hints i can't say what it is because i'll get in trouble um but he signed a contract to fight in another promotion next month one of the bigger promotions and he's fighting a ufc vet who was recently released not because the guy was losing either for other reasons so maybe you put two and two together maybe not but Nate's got a very tough fight on his hands next week, or not next week, next month. And not to you know talk about a grown man's business, but he's also being compensated as if he would for a UFC debut. So I think he made the right choice. Now it's a gamble because he wins this fight, and holy shit, he's on the map. He loses this fight, then he's got to go back and win a couple more because the dream is... I, 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 I'm I'm just leaving it at that. I don't want to say anything else. But Nate's got a big opportunity next month against someone you all know. That's all I got to say. Now, now, real quick, my boy Die Hard said he thought Brandon was, you know, he thought the fight was dogger or pass too. Brandon is hittable. Yeah, he is hittable. But he he's like, he's just a tough, he's a tough ass kid. But he was he was way bigger at weigh-ins than expected and interestingly enough uh wrong shoe missed weight which i was surprised having the full camp and you know he celebrated as if he made weight i think that he didn't understand you know i don't know if he speaks english or not uh, but anyways next up in the bantamweight division we got a match between Panny Kianzad. as she's 15 and five she's taking on raquel pennington who is 11 and eight and currently Damn, we've been going over an hour. So man, I, I fucking love y'all, man. Like this is this has gone a lot better than I expected it to. I was thinking I was gonna feel like I'm gonna pass out every five seconds or take a bunch of deep breaths like that. But man, y'all have been so amazing. Um, anyways, Rocky Pennington minus 130. Comeback on Panty Kean's ad is plus 108. So I kinda not to be disrespectful or condescending towards Pani Kionzad, but I do think that she uh, is a bit of an overachiever. And what I mean by that is, man, I low key felt like she lost that fight, that last fight to uh, Alexis Davis. You know, I really, you know, but it is what it is. This is going to be another one of them closely contested fights. I just think that. While they have similar skill sets, they're both kind of revolved around kind of a boxing-centric style for MMA. I, I think that Rocky Pennington, I I, I think that I-, I think that her record is misleading. She's been in there with the best fighters on planet Earth, and she's always testing herself, man. So that counts for a lot. You can't just look at that 11-8 and eight record and write her off. you got to look at who she's been fighting. you look got to look at how she's been fighting them. So while I respect Kian's ad, and she's gotten farther in the UFC than I expected. I mean, four-fight, win streak. Hey, my hat's off to you, girl. I'll keep doing your thing, you know? But uh, I- I'm going to go with Rocky Pennington here. Maybe a close decision, and oftentimes on close decisions, I like the dog, but on this one, I'm leaning with Rocky Pennington to, to win the decision here. Now, next up in the 205-pound division, we got Tafan Chukwui's 5-1. and one. He's taking on Mike Rodriguez, who's 11-6. And, and currently, they got Tafan Chukwui, minus 125. The comeback on Mike Rodriguez is plus 105. So I see why they call him Slow Mike. You know, the dude... Man, not trying to shit on a fighter at all because they're the ones that have the balls to step in there. And I respect anyone that's willing to, you know, lace up those gloves and get the cage locked behind them. No matter, no matter who you are, you make that walk, you're a badass in my book. We just have to be critical at the UFC level. And Mike Rodriguez has been a massive letdown. Ever since he landed that flying knee on Contender Series, I had high hopes for this guy. Goes in there against Devin Clark and in that Devin Clark fight, you know, he won all the striking exchanges but, you know, gassed out, got pinned up against the fence, got taken down multiple times. It was kind of kind of a letdown. But I heard an interview with him after that fight and he was saying that oh, I didn't even have a strength and conditioning program for that, so I'm going to be much better next time. Next time was actually against Adam Milstead. He was like a plus 160 dog. I even bet on him there because I bought into the narrative that now he's got a strength and conditioning program. So I was like, dude, I'm high on this kid, Mike Rodriguez, now. But then those those problems that we saw in the past started coming to light again, the mental lapses in the fights. The you know, not 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 fighting the hands on these chokes. Just uh, it's one of those things where Mike Rodriguez is a massive letdown. And shout out to my boy Danilo Marquez. I think he cashed my biggest underdog bet this year. He was like plus two twenty five against Mike Rodriguez. That was easy, easy, easy work. And then you look at that Mike Rodriguez fight against Ed Herman now. While it should have been a second round stoppage for Rodriguez when he when he dropped him with the knees and all that, and the ref definitely fucked that up, and people were getting mad at me on, on Twitter because I said that was the ref's fault, not Ed Herman's fault. Ed Herman's a vet. Do your thing, bro. The ref's going to give you t- uh, a timeout. Take the timeout. You know, go go ahead and recover. You got you get that opportunity, you get that opportunity presented to you. Go and take it. You're a fucking vet. You know. So much respect to Herman. But back to this. So you finished him once with the knees, but they called it a low blow. Okay, well, can we like finish the old man again? And instead, Rodriguez gets submitted. So it's uh, you just cannot trust this guy. Now on the flip side, with Tafan, he's got a lot going for him, but he's also very green. You know, he's only five and one or six and one uh, in his career. He's five and one. Now, now, granted, when when I say he's five and one, you know, he, he did beat. Uh, William Knight by knockout so at least he's like beating some guys that are winning fights in the UFC right so and he's from Cameroon he's from the same place as Francis Ngannou I always talk about the African fighters man you cannot count them out on any given night it's just a different kind of power a different kind of strength and he fits that bill another thing to note is his last fight against park while i do think it was kind of an experience thing i still thought Tefan put up a tough fight but that fight was at 85 now he's moving back up to 205 i actually texted one of my buddies that trains at that camp um why uh he moved back up to 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 205 instead of 85 um okay he didn't really give me he, he just said He was struggling, making way at 85. So that makes sense. So that's why he moved back up to 205. So on one hand, you might see an exciting striking match. On the other hand, Tafan trains out of a gym that's known for producing world champion jujitsu guys, also known for producing very good UFC fighters. Sodik Yusuf, I still think is one of the most talented guys at featherweight. James Vick. Now you guys, some of y'all noobs might only remember James Vick's last few fights where you know he was on the decline and you know he started getting knocked out every fight but james vick was actually a guy that started his ufc career off nine and one in the ufc's toughest division 155 pounds you go nine and one you could get a 90 percent win rate uh to start off your ufc career i mean conor mcgregor started off his ufc career nine and one yoel romero started off his ufc career nine and one so all i'm saying is that jim they produce people that win fights in the UFC. I'm going to lean Tafan. I just think he's the tougher guy. It's just experience counts for a lot. That's something we're going to talk about in the Ariane Lipsky fight here. Um, that, but again, if Tafan... Tafan's more of a Muay Thai guy, but you know, being that he trains at a jiu-jitsu gym and a very good jiu-jitsu gym at that, maybe we see some takedowns in here because you put your arms around that neck of Mike Rodriguez and, and he's, tapping, he's tapping that mat right away. So... Let's see what happens but I'm a lean with Tafan Chukwu. I just cannot back Rodriguez at the betting window unless he's fighting you know someone that's at an athletics uh, at, at, excuse me unless he's fighting someone that's a, at an athletic disadvantage kind of like Billstead where I did bet him. Someone that doesn't have the ground skills to submit him. Or just someone that's quite ready. Uh, that's quite not that, that's not quite ready for him. So yeah. Give me Tafan. Next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Joaquin Buckley. He's 12 and 4. He's taking on Antonio Ahoyo, who is 9 and 4. And currently they got Joaquin Buckley, minus 205, the comeback, and Antonio Ajoyo is plus 172. So, interesting fight. So, firstly, I think that Joaquin Buckley is a solid brawler at the UFC level. Because when you call someone a brawler and they're in the UFC, some people take that as disrespect. It's no disrespect at all. He's a brawler at the UFC level. I mean, you put him into some local show, he's going to launch these guys out. But um, at the UFC level, I see him just being a solid brawler. Aggressive comes to fight. He's gonna get some exciting knockouts from time to time, but he's not the kind of guy I'm trying to lay minus two hundred on. You know, not not here at least. Maybe against the Beverly Hills Ninja. So, shout out to my boy four twenty. You know, maybe against you know some you know that kid that's fighting Semelsberger next week. You know, maybe against something like that. But here, I don't think so. I, I think it's kind of harsh to judge Ahoyo off his last two fights. So let me explain what I mean. Can we agree, oh, real quick? Let me let me address some, address something. Anton says Buckley is an arrogant clown. No handshake at face-off. I mean, they're gonna fight anyways. So I mean, like, yeah, would it have been respectful to shake his hand? Yeah, but I mean, who gives a shit? And that's not really indicative of what's gonna happen in the fight. I've seen plenty of dudes not touch gloves and and go out there and win. So I don't really. I don't really give a fuck that he didn't shake his hand. They're, they're going to fight anyway, so it is what it is to me. But what I do want to address, however, is that I don't think we should be judging Ahoyo off those first two UFC fights. Reason being is first one against Andre Muniz, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace. Someone let me know what degree. Is he like a third-degree black belt? I mean, like the dude submitted Jacare for fuck's sake, right? I mean, come on now. So going 3 rounds with Muniz and not getting submitted did yeah did Ahoyo make some bonehead mistakes like standing over him and doing nothing yes but you know this guy uh this guy uh, Buckley ain't about to be out here uh you know putting on some some uh, Abu Dhabi level jiu-jitsu uh you know performance here against Ahoyo next fight against Duran Win Go online and look up Duran Wynn's wrestling credentials. It's a long-ass list. You, you guys know Joaquin Buckley doesn't have that long list of wrestling credentials. Now, don't get me wrong. Is Joaquin Buckley going to come out here and maybe land a takedown or two? Sure, maybe. I mean, I've seen him do that in his Bellator fights. I even saw him take down Impa Kasangani with an inside trip. Nicely done to him. Um, So maybe a takedown or two from Ahoyo. the biggest issue with ahoyo is the gas tank however before i'm willing to criticize the gas tank we got to put some context into it because there's a huge difference between grappling cardio and striking cardio now if you know if buckley decides to put on them wrestling shoes and make him work and you know takedown after takedown attempt this and that then maybe we can get or he can get ahoyo to that fatigue state where ahoyo kind of becomes useless i just kind of see this being a different kind of fight i just kind of see these two banging and you know it's easy to say that oh because alessio di Carico knocked him out with a head kick therefore ahoyo will but let me say this it's not just uh di Carico that had success with head kicks i've seen because Buckley is a shorter fighter for that weight class, he's five nine at middleweight. The head kicks are more availably open there, right? And Ahoyo is a big kicker. He's a long man for the division. Now, the only argument, or or one of the another argument you can make, excuse me, is that maybe Ahoyo is cutting too much weight because he's a massive individual. So maybe Ahoyo truly belongs at 205. That's something yet to be determined. But I don't think the cardio is going to be as big of an issue here because I think he's going to be getting the fight he wants, not to mention his backs up against the wall, right? So this is do or die. And not to make an excuse for him in the win fight, but he was getting ready to fight my boy, your boy, Eric Anders, which is a completely different fight than Duran Wynn. And Although it says Deron Wynn took him down 12 times, we got to mention Ahoyo got up 11 times. He just gasped from all that grappling. I don't think he's going to have to grapple as much here. So I see this being a closer fight than the line indicates. And honestly, I'm going to come out here and pick uh, Antonio Ahoyo for the upset. And you might even see me giving that out as a free bet here. So uh, give me Antonio Ahoyo to upset uh, Joaquin Buckley and keep his job. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got Nate Manis. He's 13 and one. He's taking on Tony Gravely, who is 21 and six. And currently, they got Tony Gravely minus 200. The comeback on Nate Maness is plus 165. <sighs> so basically, what I think about Nate Manis. You know, there's nothing flashy about Nate Maness's style. There's nothing that's really going to make you ooh and ah. He's just kind of solid, right? You know, the striking average, the grappling is average. He does have good size for the division. He's five foot ten. That's pretty damn tall in that weight class. Takedown defense is decent. Get up game is decent. He's just, he's just decent. He's, he, as my boy Shaq would like to say, he's I. Right, you know, he, he ain't bad at all. He's just solid. Whereas... Gravely is a is a specialist when it comes to the grappling. And even though he's been submitted a bunch of times, you got to take into consideration this guy's got like what a 25 fight? Let me check how many fights he has. Excuse me, he's got a 27 fight sample size. So, you know, when you're primarily a grappler and you're fighting the guys he's fighting. You're going to get submitted from time to time. Not convinced that happens here. So I do think that Gravely is going to have a lot of grappling success. Here's my big concern, guys. Did you all see that fight between Tony Gravely and um, De Freitas? Can we all agree that that was a pretty damn clear win for for Uh, Matt? Excuse me. Can we all agree that the De Freitas fight was a pretty damn clear win for Tony Gravely? yet one judge scores that fight for De Freitas, the judges really scare me because we're dealing with judges that they don't understand grappling. They don't understand leg kicks. They have no idea what they're looking at. It's old senior citizens and no disrespect. To, to I respect my elders. You guys know that. But when it comes to this sport, if you don't know what you're watching, then, I mean, come on, man. And for someone to score that fight for De Freitas... That just gives me pause. That just makes me so worried that, like, well, how's Adelaide Bird going to fuck this one up? And then all it takes is one more judge to not understand what they're watching, and Manis gets the decision. And to take it a step further, didn't a lot of you guys think that uh, Manis lost his fight to Johnny Munoz, who's also a grappler, right? So I got gravely, man. It's just... These judges, you got to be careful. So I'd say proceed with caution there. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Christos Giagos. He's 19 and 8. He's taking on Armand Sarukian, who is 16 and 2. And currently, they got Armand Sarukian minus 800. The comeback on Christos Giagos is plus 550. Now, look, do I think that? Armand Sarukian is going to win this fight. Yes, I do. But, you know, and, and I do pick against Christos a lot, but, like, I think Christos can maybe make it competitive for, like, five minutes until he gasses out, and from there you kind of see that takedown clinic happening. So there's two sides of the coin that, or two arguments that I like to talk about, like with a minus 800, right? On one hand, it's like when you're talking about a minus 800, like don't you expect like that first round finish, that first round rear naked choke, that first round ground and pound stoppage, or are you cool with minus 800 and just going out there and winning a 30, 26. So that that's, you know, a debate that I'm willing to have, right? Like, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think, I guess both are viable. look, I think Armin's winning this fight. That, that, that's the bottom line. It's just, you know, excuse me. It's just minus 800, man. Like I, I'm good. I'm good sitting back passing DraftKings wise, or uh, I shouldn't be talking about them. I should be talking about prize picks. Let's let's talk about over unders and, and prize picks. But look, on on you know how, you know how like on the UFC broadcast they can't mention Bellator. They always say in another organization. So on another fantasy outlet, Armin Sarukians only landed or excuse me, only scored over a hundred points one time, which was against Matt Frivola, who's a guy I got a ton of respect for. I mean, Frivola is so tough. But just factually speaking, tons of guys have landed over a hundred sports, uh, have landed over a hundred uh, points against Matt Frivola. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where that's not too surprising but is it a sign that the young kid is starting to develop starting to mature and now we're going to see that breakthrough performance in the UFC definitely a possibility because Christos strong guy and he can land takedowns too just I just don't think he will here so give me Armin Sarukian not sure if it's a finisher or a decision but I am sure about him winning this fight so give me Armin Sarukian for the dub featured bout in the flyweight division we got mandy bohm the newcomer she's seven and zero. she's taking out ariani Lipsky, who's 13 and seven and currently they got ariani Lipsky minus 125 the comeback on mandy bohm is plus 105 so interesting fight um basically you know, you see Ariane Lipsky fighting and, you know, I remember when y'all were hyping her up and queen of violence, queen of this. And, you know, we maybe said a couple choice words, queen of queen of fraudulence, you know, all tongue in cheek, of course. Um, but listen, it, it's easy to sit here and act like you want to blind bet Lipsky just cause it's Lipsky fighting. But I think you got to understand that, you know, bohm has got a lot of ground to cover, man. Bohm's a very green fighter, Bone is someone that trains out of SBG, which I don't know how y'all feel about SBG, but, you know, SBG only produced one fighter that was good, and he ain't been doing too hot in a long-ass time, right? So SBG Ireland, I don't know about them, man. I don't know about that camp. I think where Ariane is training is much better and where she's trained in the past. I don't like the fact that Ariani is a gym hopper. But whatever, maybe she needs to do what's best for her career. So the thing with Mandy Bohm, she's kind of a tie boxer, you know, good elbows in the clinch. My my issue with Bohm, though, man, is that last fight in Bellator against a like five and three soccer mom. Like, why, why is she having so much problems uh, getting off the fence? Why when she gets off her back? Why when she's on her back? You know, she can't, she has issues getting back up. So I, I think Bohm is a very green fighter. Look, do I think she's tough? Yes. Do I think she can be aggressive at times? Yes. Do I like her elbows and knees from the clinch? Yes. But I'm not quite sure if that's enough at the UFC level. Now, of course, we can't ignore the fact that Lipsky lost in the exact same way twice in a row. But the thing we got to understand is Montana De La Rosa, is a ground specialist and Antonina Shevchenko. I know she's been embarrassed many times, but but guys, we, we, we got to mention levels to this game. Antonina Shevchenko was embarrassed by ranked fighters, you know, Caitlin Chukagan, who's like number two or number three in the world, embarrassed her. Uh, Calderwood too, correct me if I'm wrong, Caldwood's been like top 10 her whole career. Roxanne Modafferi fought for a UFC title, so it's just. You know, I understand if we're talking about a UFC level fighter, you know, an Anthony, you know, and talk about Antonina, then it's like, oh shit, but I don't think Mandy Bohm is that. I think Mandy Bohm's got a bright future. I think if she keeps training, if she keeps at it, she can go far. Now, I'm not saying to bet Lipsky because I don't think that Lipsky can be trusted, but I do have to lean with the experience of Lipsky. I just think that experience counts for a lot in this game. And we've seen Lipsky have some little moments here and there where you're like, oh, shit. I mean, you guys remember what she did to Luana Carolina? And let me tell you something. Luana Carolina is no slouch at all. Luana Carolina has won some UFC fights. So I just view this as a step up in competition for Mandy Baum. Will it surprise me to see Lipsky have one of those you know, mental lapses again? No, but. Mandy Bohm's a tie boxer. She, she's, you know, with the, with the elbows in the clinch and stuff like that. Some trips here and there. I, I, I just don't see it happening. So give me Lipsky to, to get back on track and save her job. I got, I got my puppy Leo here. I don't know if y'all can see him. It's my little man. You want to come see what's up? My boy grew so fast. Okay. Shall I bring him up here? Hold up. <laughs> that's my boy right there. How fucking cute is this guy? Is he not adorable? This is Leo. The boy is, uh, he was born on Valentine's Day, so six or seven months. I don't know. Y'all do the math. Um, all right. Co-main event of the evening. We got Iwan Kutalaba. He's 15, six and one. He's taking on Devin Brown Bear Clark, who is 12 and five. And currently they got, Iwan Kutalaba, minus 150. The comeback on Devin Clark is plus 125. So, another interesting fight. I mean, conventional wisdom says that Iwan Kutalaba is going to come out here and knock this dude's head into the fifth row. It's just Iwan Kutalaba ain't exactly the most trustworthy. Now, not that Devin Clark is. Devin Clark is a chinny spaz. Um, He's also a chinny spaz that dropped alexander Rakic twice i also expected him to get launched against alonzo Menafield and he won that fight so he surprised me he's got a better ufc record than uh iwan kutala but not that that matters that doesn't matter here i i just what's interesting is i see a lot of fantasy players they love to fade guys that are first round or bust but for some reason they never mentioned Iwan Kutalaba as being a first rounder bust guy. And I kind of view him as that man. And not saying that he can't win the fight past the first round here. All I know is that this goes past round one and, and that's where I start to get worried because Clark probably does have the better cardio. It's just Clark, ain't, you know, inside, it, Clark ain't the brightest. I mean, I'm not talking about, I don't know if he's a smart guy outside the cage or this or that, but, in-fight decision-making like Clark. Clark is a spaz, his chin straight up in the air. He can't take the best shot, leaves himself open to submissions. I mean, but he's athletic, he's explosive, he hits hard, and he can wrestle, and he's got decent cardio. So there is a path to victory for Devin Clark. It's just that, you know, is he going to be conscious uh, to, to get to that point? I don't think so, man. Let me see. Let me see where this line opened, just out of curiosity. What was Vegas thinking? Oh shit. So Vegas actually said a pick'em with a slight lean on Devin Clark. Wow. So either they're way off or maybe they're on to something. Like they think that they think that Ewan's gonna gas out here. And I mean, we how many times have we seen Eon gas out? Over and over and over. So and I am also have not a bias against Clark. I just tend to pick against him like every fight or almost every fight, right? Um, you, you want to know something funny? Don't tell anybody this. Remember when Jan Blahovic was like on like that big skid where he like lost like four out of five or something and they were about to cut him and he fought Devin Clark? I think I might have even picked Devin Clark there. Don't tell anybody about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, uh, Give me Iwan Kutalaba, first round knockout. Um, but goes past the first round. Y'all live betters. Y'all live betters. Let's see. Let's see what that live line is looking like. Main event of the evening in the 205-pound division. We got Anthony Lionheart Smith. He's 35 and 16. He's taking on Ryan Spann, who's 19 and 16. And currently they got. Anthony Smith minus one seventy. The comeback on Ryan Span is plus one forty five. So, this is one of those fights that's very interesting too, because it's it's a five round fight, main event, of course, um, and that makes me side more towards Smith. Like I, I see it kind of like this. I think Ryan Span is super talented. I think that he's got good hands. I think he's got good entries to his takedowns. I think he's a physical specimen. I think he's got a nasty guillotine. Like I think that Ryan Span is a super talented guy. My issue, I got two issues with Ryan Span. First issue is I think he's a head case. Now, I don't know the guy personally, but... like why 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 are your social media accounts private dude like you can't take the heat like you're you're in the public light man like just brush off what all these haters say like who gives a fuck man i'm like i i was going to say you got more followers than me let me let me let me see if that's even true man cuz hold on a second Uh, it's not true <laughs> I got more than I got more than thrice the followers as ryan span, so never mind, but I'm just saying man ryan he's probably got he's he definitely has more Instagram followers than me though right uh, right let, let's let, let's see if that and Twitter he doesn't but let's see if let's let's see what he's working with on Instagram hold on, and I'm bringing this up for a specific reason so just give me a sec. Yeah. Okay. So close to about the same followers on Instagram. I got way more than him on, on Twitter, but all in all, he's got more followers than me. He's a UFC main event fighter. He's a bigger name than I am. And it's like, dude, you're, you're putting your social media accounts on private. Like you can't take th- this criticism. And I happened to get in before he made a shit private and he's writing these long paragraphs. Of, I just think the guy's a head case and you don't want to see that. The other thing I and, and I bring that up because Lionheart Smith, Lion Lionheart, Lionheart, Lionheart. I mean that dude don't quit for nothing. Look at look at even the fights he loses against uh, Glover. I mean he he was ready to let his teeth get knocked out, and the ref had to stop that. Ryan uh, Anthony Smith wasn't willing to quit for anything. Anyways, the other thing I got to bring up about Ryan Span, and someone explained this to me. And I, and no other shows mention this, you know, like, just like they tend not to mention a lot of the things I bring up, but, um, so Ryan Spann's been knocked out three times. Now I'm sure every show's mentioned that, but what they haven't mentioned is how come Ryan Spann has been knocked out three times the exact same way. And what that exact same way is Ryan Spann's been knocked out on a takedown attempt three times, not once. Not twice, thrice, and there's been other fights. For example, the Sam Alvey fight, where you know Ryan's fans walking out, he's rapping to his music, he's acting like the fight's been won before it even started. First round goes great, and then I think in either the second or third round, he goes on a takedown attempt on uh, on Sam Alvey, and you know those Travis elbow, those Travis Brown elbows start coming down, and you can hear Coach Safe like Ryan, get out of there, because they know that that's the spot that. Ryan, I, I, I have no explanation for it. Like maybe one of y'all know why. Why has Ryan Spann been knocked out three times on takedown attempts? So what I think's gonna happen is I think Ryan Spann's gonna come out here and, and do his thing until he gets knocked out for the fourth time on a takedown attempt. So yeah, it's one of those things. But but betting wise, it's like I don't like laying chalk on comeback guys, which is kind of what um what anthony smith is right so anthony smith is more of a guy i'd rather bet at a dog prize. you know like if you took him in the plus three something against Gustafsson, i mean that's a fantastic bet right uh but laying chalk on him could be sketchy but then again he's got five rounds to work so that might i i I personally think that behooves him unless he somehow gets finished along the way so my prediction ryan span dominates the fight until he gets knocked out on a takedown attempt for the fourth time. Give me Anthony Smith for the win. Woo. Made it through an hour and a half podcast and feel pretty fucking good, man. Thank you guys so much. And everybody that's just joining in now, go back to the beginning of the show so I can explain all the shit and fill y'all in, let y'all know what, what's really been going on before I talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. Um, why don't y'all give me some fan questions, man? Ask me anything, literally anything like let's go, let's talk. And last chance, if anyone wants to go on screen with me face to face, wants to ask me those questions in person, I'm offering you that opportunity. Now you just have to slide in my DMS on, uh, on Twitter. So it, it's one of those things I, I'm, I'm down like, and you don't have to hold back with me. Like I, I can hold my own. So you can ask me whatever you want to ask me anything anything even the things i addressed earlier something else you'd think i didn't address opinion on the fight opinion on an upcoming prospect dating advice <laughs> you know what i'm saying what's my favorite uh wine of choice i don't know whatever whatever y'all want to talk to me slide in the dms right now this is your last chance so i'm going to knock out the fight to watch and the fighter to watch give you guys a chance to get those questions piled up i'm going to check the dms if anyone wants to talk personally, I mean personally, publicly, right? And then uh, we'll take it from there, so hold on a sec, that chick I was chilling with was a pine. What, uh hold, on. let me look up, let me look up what that means really quickly cause I don't want to say anything wrong, oh yeah, Filipino, yeah, yeah, that but that was like two weeks ago, like right now we're dealing with some American girls got love for all the ladies, man. Don't matter. I mean, well, certain things matter, but don't matter. She's Latina, black, white. It's more about what's in here and some other things too. So yeah. But anyways, um, let me, let me get back to business. So fight to watch my fight to watch. what's y'all's fight to watch? I mean, look, my fight to watch is the co-main event between Iwan Kutalaba and Devin Clark. This fight's going to let me know a lot, even though I already know a lot about both these guys. They have like 10 fight sample sizes in the UFC. Um, the fact that, you know, is Iwan Kutalaba going to come out here and handle this guy exactly how he's supposed to? Or is he going to try to and then gas out and then get grinded out? And so <laughs> I got a lot of questions. So for that reason, Kutalaba versus Clark is my fight to watch. My fighter to watch, Antonio Ahoyo. Listen, man, your back's up against the wall. The first two fights didn't have favorable matchups. I mean, you fought the jujitsu ace, Andre Muniz, and you fought the credentialed wrestler, Duran Wynn. Well, now you're fighting a guy that's going to bang with you. So are you ready to stay in the big show or not? And I know the fighter to watch is Ahoyo, but let's talk about Buckley. I mean, Buckley lost a lot of hype after that knockout loss. You know, he feels like people are counting him out. It feels like people wrote him off. So I'm sure he's got a lot to prove, too. He didn't shake Ahoyos' hand at the way, in which, you know, uh, my boy Anton had an issue with it. I mean, I don't give a fuck. I mean, to me, that just adds more entertainment. To me, that just adds more intrigue. To me, it just makes you want to see the fight even more. So, yeah, that that is Antonio Ahoyo is my fighter to watch. All right, let's get to these questions. YBB says, Dan, will Magomed Ankalaev fight for the belt next year? Well, definitely not this year, but next year, possibly. Um, it just depends. I mean, you still got Rakic out there. You still got Yuri Prohaska out there. Um, so, and you also got to see how Magomed Ankalaev performs against Volcan Uznamir. I feel like a lot of people are riding off Uznamir. Uznamir is a tough, he's a tough out, man. Um, so let's see what happens. But, if ankle leave does what he's supposed to do and maybe wins one more i wouldn't write off the possibility beach money says yoel romero versus davis prediction (sighs) i mean i want yoel romero to win because he's so much more of a badass i cannot stand watching phil davis fight i think he's one of the most boring fighters in the history of the sport but He's definitely got a path with the volume. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, he's definitely got more volume than Yoel. So if Yoel can't land, you know, a missile on him, some kind of nuke, then Davis probably wins a decision. But you know, I'm hoping for that nuke. So let's go, Team Yoel. Uncle Weezy says, "What's my opinion on Manon Fioro versus Myra Bueno Silva?" I haven't looked into it, but just off memory, so Myra Bueno Silva, I think that she is one of the hardest hitters in that division um and like i told you power in the women's divisions goes a long way but manon fioro definitely has the better technique um, i think she also has the higher ceiling and bueno silva does have an issue with the w- with her wrestling you know she just like her girlfriend De paula man they they give up a lot of easy takedowns so not not necessarily that fioro is going to be shooting for those but I would set Fiora a favorite for sure. Um, but let's see. I mean, let's see if they get into some kind of striking exchange and, and Fiora can, and, and uh, Bueno Silva can, can land one of those big bombs because you saw what she started doing to uh, Marina Morose, who's a super experienced UFC vet towards the latter part of that fight, man. The calf kicks were adding up. Those big shots up top were adding up. So I would not count out Chitara, but early lean is uh, Fiora. My boy Holloway, my boy, I know who you are, buddy. My boy says, "Kubide Junam, looking good. Hey, shout out to all my Persian brothers, man. You know, the Persian cuisine is my favorite food, man. Uh, One of them, at least. I fucking love that Persian cuisine, man. So I appreciate you, uh, Juni. Thank you, brother. Taylor says, you and I have talked about my boy Puna Haley in the past. He's now taking his first L against Allen. If you were the matchmaker, who would you like to see him um, up against next? Good question. Let's see. uh, Let's see what the. Hold on a second. Let me look up the roster. So he's two and one in the UFC, I believe. Let's see. Uh, Yeah, he's two and one. Let's see who else is two and one. Oh, we got some options. You could see Puna versus the winner or loser of the Buckley versus Ahoyo fight. You could see Puna versus the loser of the Nasruddin Imavov versus Edmund Shabazian fight. You could see Puna versus Jacob Malkoon, the kid that beat Razak. You could see him with uh, Kyle Dawkins, Kevin Holland. Like, there's so many options of what you can do with Puna. So I'm, I'm excited. Oh, he says Trevin Giles. Yeah, that's a possibility as well. So lots of things. Um, All right, guys. Thank you so very much for being here with me, man. This meant the world to me to be on here talking fights with you guys, letting you know what's really going on. Again, if anyone got here late, just go back to the beginning of the show. I explained a lot of things and man, it's just amazing to be back and just all the support you guys have given me has kept me so strong and I'm so grateful. I got so much gratitude for everything, um, I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy to be here talking fights again. And this was an absolute blast. So let's do it again soon. Big shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, go to manscaped.com, use the code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Big shout out to our fantasy partner, Prize Picks. Make sure you all use that code BATTLE for um, a uh, 100% match on any deposit up to $100. The link is in the description here. And uh, guys, Thank you very, very much. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Citrus, Spotify, all the places where we are available. And go ahead, do me a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Feel free to share this episode. Let everybody know that I'm back and I'm here to stay. So thank you guys so much. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.